You're such smart listeners. There you go again, tuning into this show. Well, what can I say about you? It's, it's amazing how intelligent you are. Coming to the microphone now, our, our guiding light, our fearless leader who will guide us through dark times, even if they are dark indeed, because someday... The Lord will come and save us all anyway. I bring you now, Barack Lurie, everyone. Too kind. I never know what he's going to say. Neither you know, do he, I. When he, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Makes two of us, right? Uh, we love Ari. Uh, Ari, thank you very much for the introduction, and welcome to the Barack Lurie podcast. So, look, uh, the, the key thing I want to talk about today, and I, I know we like to keep things timeless, but I think that this point today will be a timeless event. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the FBI recent decision not to recommend an indictment against Hillary Clinton regarding the whole email nonsense. All right. Uh, what's his name? Comey. Jim Comey? Was, uh, uh, James Comey. James Comey. The FBI yeah. director. Yeah. That's so, who you mean, right? So yeah, that's, that's who I mean. He, he comes out with a statement early in the morning of uh, the 5th of July and saying, listen, at the end of the day, while there were a lot of mistakes by Mrs. Clinton— you know, gosh golly, uh, she didn't really mean to do anything. She was just really reckless and very negligent. She shouldn't have done uh, these things. She should have known better. But, you know, intentions, well, we don't really find them. And he concludes that no reasonable prosecutor would push forward with charges. All right. So there are many things to talk about this, but I, I, and ultimately where I want to get to is how this is emblematic of the corruption in the Democratic base, the political leadership that they think that nobody is noticing. Okay, so that's what I want. I want to first talk about the specifics and then get into the big picture. So I, I've given you a roadmap of what we're going to be talking about. First of all, uh, very noticeable in this decision, and I, I heard it was about a 10-minute uh, uh, a discussion with the press where he says he's not going to press or recommend pressing charges. He says, first of all, that there was no intent. Okay. This has nothing to do with intent. The statutes that are involved here are not intent driven. Yes, of course, if you can also show intent, that would only add to the, to the chargeability of the crime. But it doesn't mandate that. It mandates that if you are housing top secret stuff, you can't just say, I didn't know. I didn't realize that would be a wrong thing to do. You can't. It, it, uh, otherwise, it would be such a heightened standard that nobody would ever be prosecuted. It's the equivalent of saying, you know what? If you're speeding at 150 miles an hour down the 405 freeway and the cop pulls you over, and then you say to him, you know what, officer, I feel so bad about this, but I got to tell you, I didn't know I was speeding. What do you mean you didn't know? Well, officer, I didn't know. It was nighttime and uh, the, the traffic was very open and free-flowing. I know that's hard to imagine here in Los Angeles, but just bear with me. And, uh, and the music was great that I was listening to. And frankly, I just didn't know. So give me a break, Mr. Officer. Okay, and, and he'll say what? Oh, well, in that case, knowing that I can't prove that, I'm not, I'm not going to pull you, I'm not going to, you know, pursue a ticket for you. 
Okay, you, you don't have to argue. Thank you very much, officer. Have a nice day. Okay, that's, that, that, of course, is a ridiculous scenario. But that's exactly the scenario, exactly the scenario that the FBI is now pushing as somehow the, the reasonable way to look at this with the Hillary Clinton email uh, scandal. So that's, that's point number one. Intent has very little to do with it. Okay, it's the fact that you are doing it, not the intent with which you do it. Next point. There was nothing that I heard in this speech that related to the destruction of the server itself. Nothing. And that's a problem. Okay, because to me, the destruction of the server, which she did, reveals everything that you want to know. It reveals that she knew that something incriminating was in those emails. That's a problem for her. The FBI director may not want, wish to pursue it, but I know that it means something. Trump will know that it means something. The Republican establishment should know that it means something. And frankly, I think that even Democrats know that it means something. Okay, it's, it's a bad, bad thing. All right. Then it begs the question, why did she have this uh, email server in the first place? Forget about its destruction. Why? And, and the, the purpose for it was very clear, to not be transparent, to make sure that she be, would be able to conduct business without the world knowing about it. Because, God forbid, there might be a Freedom of Information Act request, and then she would have to disclose everything. So th these are obvious things, right? I mean, it, it's... it's and, and then for, for the FBI director to say that no reasonable prosecutor would pursue a prosecution of this. And that's the reason why they are not pursuing it. To which I say, really? You had 140 people on this. You, you knew that there were issues about this. Clearly, they're all coming out to light. The, these are very damning emails. And it's not, not even the substance of the emails, but the fact that she was conducting business altogether. Every one of the emails that she was uh, hiding from us could have been perfectly legitimate business emails that had nothing to do with hiding information or doing anything inappropriate. It's the fact that she was uh, handling highly classified information and top secret information through her private server. Don't you get this? Now, I feel so frustrated, but why am I even frustrated? Why am I even surprised? Because I'm not surprised. Now we go to the big picture that we were talking about before. This is the, the picture where the Democrats think that they can get away with this. Where, that by, by merely saying something is black, that therefore it's black and not white as it appears to be. And merely saying that, there was, that no reasonable prosecutor would push this, well, then you were all supposed to nod our heads along and say, oh, okay, thanks for telling me that. It, it, it's, a, it's an absurd scenario. We see it directly, Mr. Mr. Comey. 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 Yeah. We see it directly. You, you, can, you can say whatever you want, but no amount of reasonableness or reasonable tone that you adopt will change the facts that she created the server, that she misapplied the server, that she uh, had very incriminating emails on the server, and then that she destroyed the server. Okay? So as they say, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Okay? Now, we bring this up, Ari and I, because we feel 
that this is emblematic of the democratic platform good for today. And we think it's been this way for at least a decade now. And, and sadly, I think that this notion that uh, we'll just say X uh, will, will be enough. And it won't ever be enough. That's the point. You, you, you can't fool us. But they think constantly that they can fool you. This is, this is liberal mentality that so much of the way, uh, of the things that they advance, that it's so good for you, that merely telling you what the program is should be sufficient for you. We tell you that the bullet train is good enough, you, you should think it's good enough. You, we, we're telling you that climate change is real, you should think that climate change is real. We're telling you that racism is alive and well in America and we need to fight it. Well, then uh, racism is alive and well in America and we need to fight it, right? You can go on and on. The minimum wage is not a, minimal, is not a living wage. You name it, you must believe it because we're saying so, okay? There's no discussion. There's no debate. So Comey, when he was speaking to us, was engaging exactly that sort of mentality. He was telling you, this is what is. I'm not interested in your feedback. You're just interested in what I'm telling you. And so Clinton goes off. Never mind that she goes off right away on an Air Force One jet with Obama for purposes of campaigning with him. No, they go off and they actually think that everything's been cleared up Republicans and Democrats alike are now all satisfied with this and no big deal. Okay? That, that's no, no problem. No problemo now. And we're both ready to go forward with the glorious campaign of Hillary Clinton. That's what they think. They've always thought this way. They always will think this way. Because it's in their very DNA. By contrast, we conservatives, we, we embrace... Uh, not controversy, but debate. We, we embrace the, the notion that somebody may disagree with us. We, we believe in certain truths, such as limited government is almost always a better answer than expansive government. In fact, it always is better. Uh, we, we embrace that God is, is central to our lives, to the success of this country as a whole. But other things we're willing to discuss. Who knows? Uh, the the point I think that I'd like to have you address is this point, and the example is Nixon. We're focused on laws, not our own individual or or not our own candidates, not our own political uh, expediency. When our elected officials go south on us, we're the first ones to call them out and abandon them politically. That's right. I, I've been waiting since the mid-90s. Remember, Bill Clinton got elected with the cloud of Jennifer Flowers hanging over him and assured us he was faithful to his wife. Six years later, 1998, the dress shows up and the DNA match, as gross as that is. And it turns out he wasn't faithful to his wife. And were Democrats the ones abandoning him for his sexual indiscretions? Of course no. not. No, no, they, so they, they were, it's like, they were, at what point do Democrats say about their own elected officials, this is enough? Well, they'll say, they'll differentiate. In, in fairness, they'll differentiate and they'll say, well, that was about sex. Uh, Richard Nixon was about uh, a corruption of the whole process of the democratic system. 
uh, whereas uh, Bill Clinton was just, uh, you know, being unfaithful and men cheat and men lie about cheating. And yeah, it's not so great, but it's not uh, it's not a, a chaos. Uh, it's not a constitutional crisis, whereas Richard Nixon was a constitutional crisis. I, I disagree with that. I'm not going to get into the weeds about that particular argument. But your point is a well taken point, which is we, we don't just um, support the man because he happens to belong to the same political party. We don't. And Richard Nixon is a very good example. I, I find him contemptible in so many different ways, not just because he thought he was above the law um, and, and lying about the, the break-in was far more significant than the actual break-in itself. We, we, we acknowledge that. But he was also a terrible president regardless of Watergate. He, he, he advanced so many liberal policies, it's, it's hard to imagine anyone being more liberal. I, I wonder if Obama could out-liberal what Nixon advanced, what with the China opening at a time when he should not be opening up anything with China, what with the price controls and the inflation measures and uh, a minimum wage notion and affirmative action. These are things that we normally associate with liberal thinking, and that's who Nixon was. So, yeah, I'm happy to abandon him precisely because he was the opposite of everything that we conservatives hold dear. That's that's so. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, and and the irony though is with with Obama, I forgive liberals for having that mentality for the most part because he's yeah. so aligned with their uh, skewed values. But Bill Clinton governed as a conservative in many ways. Yeah, no, is it well, he? It, yeah, it's almost uh, congruently the Democrats' version of Nixon. Welfare reform, as we know it, the increase of of uh, you know criminal penalties, uh, you know a, a million more cops on the street. Yeah, yeah I mean, defense of marriage act it, and, yeah. uh, and otherwise. Look, there are a lot of a lot of things that you can point to, but he did so reluctantly. It wasn't his core being, right? He 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 loved being a, a liberal. He loved being a lefty. If he had the backing in the Congress, he would have done so. So yes, I'm glad that he went our way on the conservative issues, but it's only because he was forced to do so. Yeah, but you think that for liberals, they'd be upset that he went our way and not their oh, way. No, it's your point. It's your your it's, point. The, the, it's the, like, the, what does he have to do to right. get them to abandon him? Right. You know, kill no. kill Nicole and her waiter. You know, be caught working on a whaling ship. <laughs> Look, they, they, you see, it's all about party loyalty with the Democrats. That's the point. The fact that they're doing things that are actually conservative mean that uh, they, they don't bring that up. All that matters is that they have loyalty, they have identity issues, uh, they, are, they identify as Democrats, they identify as liberals, and this man who is a Democrat, well, he's doing well by the country, and he gets to, we get to say that with, with Bill Clinton and Democratic principles, never mind that they're not Democrat um, principles, uh, we somehow succeeded and advanced the cause of America and uh, the employment rates and the economy, generally speaking. That's what they get to say. Never mind that it's completely the opposite of what uh, the reasons are actually the complete opposite of why they think that things have succeeded. Anyway, it's the uh, it, this this I, I want to say hubris, but that's too polite a phrase to adopt. It, it's the audacity, I should say. The audacity of the of the Democrats, the leadership in the Democrats, to think that they can tell you what to think and to tell you what is, even though it clearly is not. The fact is that Hillary Clinton is a criminal. She knew what she was doing was completely in violation of the law. Uh, at best, she was reckless in the in that department. Uh, 
but but even if she once she was reckless and once she had set up the server and all those things then the deletion of the emails and then the pretense that somehow I did not receive or send any emails that were marked classified as if that were the issue it wasn't it was never the issue and we're all screaming at the TV saying no you liar you know that it has nothing to do with that nothing you you yourself Hillary Clinton could be sending out an email that uh, says, hey, Vladimir Putin, uh, let's talk about uh, maybe completely configure, rechanging our whole dynamic about Syria and America and Iran, for that matter, which would be highly sensitive, right? But because the fact that you don't claim it to be highly sensitive or, or market classified doesn't make it any less classified. Uh, it's just this is too easy. And then and then the and, and it's very frustrating. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm angry. I'm depressed about this because I, I, I'm insulted, I'm offended because this man thinks that I'm buying his crap simply because he's saying so. You mean by man, you mean Comey, not Comey, Hillary yes. Clinton. It's the yeah, whole, just... yeah, the whole, but it's a whole democratic uh, establishment enterprise. They believe that we are going to be satisfied with this. We're not. It's corrupt. As, as the day is long, we know everything that you've done is just a big game. And you think you're, you're all patting yourselves on the back and say, let's just say this. I, I, I have many people coming into this office who are opposing counsel, sometimes even clients. And they tell me something and I can tell right away that they're lying to me. And then they say to me things like, well, let's just say this, say X to the opposing counsel or opposing party. And I say, let's not, because they'll see right through it. Let's be honest about these things, because the, the true facts are actually very good for us. See, you do a podcast that everyone sees your bullcrap, but yeah, you... that's right. Good point. Yeah, it, it does hark back to everyone sees your BS. Assume that, and your life will be much more pleasant. Because if you, if you find yourself kind of looking to the, to the right and upward, as they do... And you say, well, what kind of way can I massage this language so that people will, you know, think one thing that I want them to think, right? If, if, if you're finding yourself doing that, don't do it. Just, just out with it, man. Simply say, you know what? I, I was late in delivering the goodies. I, I, I screwed up on the deadline. I'm so sorry. Or uh, the reason why I got, I mean, I'm speaking law talk now, but the reason why I, I cited that case, which was uh, wrongfully cited and it didn't apply to the law whatsoever, well, it's, uh, that's my fault. That's, that's on me. And don't, don't use the passive uh, uh, sentence structure to make the person wonder who actually might have been responsible. Don't make the person listening to you, well, you know, wonder, okay, well, let, let's get to the bottom of this. Just tell them the truth. Just, just do it, and you'll be free, and they'll be free, and they'll be respectful of you. Here's what Comey should have said. If, if this were a, a, a reasonable uh, bipartisan investigation, and if we lived in an environment where Democrats have to you know, live in, and die by their own swords and Republicans have to live and die by their own swords and their own words, he would say something like this. Look, uh, this was bad. It's plain and simple it was bad. We do feel that we need to have an investigation about this. Uh, I do, we do think uh, that we're going to charge her. 
it's necessary to charge her because we need to send a signal that our public officials in this great democracy of ours are not above the law. Now, we cannot prove intent. We have little ability to prove intent. And as a consequence, we are not seeking the extra heightened damages and criminality associated with proving intent. If it does come out for some other reason, well, then we'll add that to our criminal charges. But good for today, we cannot do so. But that's not the standard, ladies and gentlemen. In this great country of ours, we must hold dear and expect our, our politicians to hold dear the value of observing the law. And if they don't observe it, then what country do we have? Right? That's, that's what we need to do. But he didn't do anything like this. He didn't do a single thing like that. And, and that concerns me. It concerns me for the future of, of our whole country. I don't know if, if, if they can get away with it. Why can't the Republicans get away with it? Is it then, at the end of the day, a matter of money and power? Because if it is, then the America that I know no longer exists. Hey, Barack, what about the media and all this? Because a, a great extent of what the voters make their decisions on, it's, it's kind of like a garbage in, garbage out situation. If the media is feeding the public crap about this, how is the public, aside from people like you and I, who really dig in there and, you know, get yeah, this yeah, for more than a cursory yeah. level, how are people <clears throat> able to even make decisions about this when all they're told is, oh, she's innocent, she's great? And also, and one more thing. It would be fine if, if Comey cleared her and said, uh, you know, nothing to see her move along. She can go about her business and be yeah. a private citizen, run the Clinton Foundation and, you know, engage in her graft and her influence peddling. But she's running to be president of the United States. Right. All the more be, reason. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was she accused of in this? Mishandling national security information and secrets that put lives of Americans yeah. at risk. Yeah, at the very least, it's a, it's a judgment call. Even under Comey's analysis uh, that she's reckless about it, well then, reckless is as reckless does, you know, to quote or paraphrase from the Forrest Gump movie, uh, you know, reckless people are always reckless, right? So somebody who is a drunkard is always going to be drunk. It's somebody who's lazy is always going to be lazy. And, and so... Okay, great. She's she's reckless, and uh, and you think that that's not sufficient for her, but you think that's not sufficient to charge her with criminal behavior. I get that, but can't you at least acknowledge that this is reckless behavior, and this is who she's all about? And and they don't seem to. He doesn't seem to even think about that as an issue. But again, I, I suppose from his standpoint, all he cares about is the criminal aspect of it, and he's not there to opine whether or not this is a political matter. But we're watching, we are listening, and we get to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. It may not be criminal under your, your pretense. We think it is criminal, but it, criminal or not, it's a reflection of how reckless she is and how poor her, her judgment is. If we can't trust her to keep secrets and to keep protected and inviolate uh, state issues while she's Secretary of State, all the more so when she's president, when she feels more emboldened than ever. I mean, will it be okay if she does it again, Mr. Comey? Yeah, he just invited her to do it again. Yeah, yeah why not? Now, now, you know, the signal is very clear. Do everything on a private server because, you know, you don't want the public to know what you're doing. Gosh forbid. So this is, this is the way they think.
Yeah, and, and based uh, they, on president yeah. until the end of time. Now, based on Comey, this one idiot in 240 years of American government has now set a new precedent where no public official except the stupidest one and, and the least Machiavellian one will ever deal with a, yeah, a public yeah. server accountability situation again. Why shouldn't they all go private server now? Yeah, well, I mean, she's definitely set a precedent. But, you know, it, it, it won't matter that she set a precedent because uh, they will prosecute others who don't do that. They're called Republicans. If a Republican did this, then they would clearly go after them. Okay. Uh, and, and what's his name? The General um, Petraeus. Petraeus. Yeah. I mean, he did something far less intense, and he got prosecuted. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the double—he doesn't bring that up, of course. I, nor that I, would I expect him necessarily to bring up Petraeus in a 10-minute speech about Clinton. But nevertheless, it begs all these questions. He should at least have the sensitivity to know it's on someone's mind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, he, he, but but you see, that's the problem: is that this liberal way of thinking, this far left thinking mentality, where you tell people what to think. This is the way I'm going to box your thinking. I'm going to prepackage your thinking for you, and you will follow suit. What a okay? great point! All right, brilliant. So, thank you. I, I, but but here's what happens. It, this reminds me. I, it's going to sound funny, but. At the end of the day, you'll say, yeah, that's, that's a good point. This is connected. Remember after Benghazi, the horrible day of Benghazi, they got together, the Obama team and the Clinton team and Susan Rice and so on, and they said, what the F are we going to do about this, right? And they said, we'll say it's about this video and some, some brilliant guy. And, and, and they, 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 they trotted this out with the Sunday news talk shows, and they thought that everyone would just follow them up and just say, yeah, you know, this is what it's going to be. We're telling you what to think. We're going to tell you how to view this whole thing. And yet you can get really get angry at this, this guy that we've now, we're now using as a lightning rod, um, and we should imprison him, and how insensitive it is to Islam, generally speaking, and how stupid that was. Uh, and we can talk about, yes, we, would, we, were, uh, we were a little bit caught with our pants down, but nevertheless... We should have known, right? But they didn't know. And that's what they would say. They would trot that out. It's exactly the same thing. This, this audacity that they have to think that you will subscribe to whatever they tell you to believe. It's no different, is it? The only difference is it's a man named James Comey saying it. Because all these questions are coming up. Why did you have the server in the first place? Uh, you knew that you, you were trying to not be transparent in the first place. Why did you destroy the emails? And then why did you to destroy the server as well? Okay, what, why? And, and, how, and, and why did you treat Petraeus differently? And do you really think that this, this precedent will, will now be okay for everyone else in the future? Yeah, and why do you lie about it to the public all these months? All these months. Why do you wipe your server? Oh, you mean with a cloth? Yeah. Uh, I, I've learned to uh, uh, exchange messages with this great new app. It's called Snapchat. It deletes things by itself. Yeah, I remember. Ha she was... ha. Uh, I yeah. never once held anything on my server that was marked classified. I mean, these these lies of, of Herculean audacity. I mean... Yeah, it's, a, it's, who a, it's audacious. Who this woman off the chain to talk this way to the public? Yeah. I don't know. It, you know, it, it, it will be a campaign issue. Um, I, th I certainly think that, that Trump will continue to, to push this. And this, you know, I know you and I disagree about Trump, but I think both of us can agree that Trump, he's locked himself into um, 
uh, what is a criminal or crooked Hillary, uh, the phrase. And I think he's right. Uh, I think you think that he's right about that. He yeah. is a crooked. And she I, is crooked. And I, I one thing about Trump, uh, if if Trump did what I'd like him to do with this, I think it would be a wonderful campaign for him to run and say, forget everything I said before. I promise the public one thing. I put it in writing with my signature. You elect me, I'm prosecuting that woman. Yeah, yeah. I'm prosecuting to the the total extent of the law. This is the guy, let's just say it's Chris Christie. I'm appointing Chris Christie my attorney general. He's already appointed a staff to gather information. The prosecution briefs are ready to go. The second I'm elected, the second I'm sworn in, we're filing charges against her. Elect me, she's going down. I like it. I like I, it. I, 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 think that, I think that's a very good approach. Uh, one of the one of the problems that uh, they they face, and I'm just I'm not throwing this just as an obstacle, but they will argue that gosh, you know, if if we do this the, this time, then every uh, new um, administration is now going to have to worry about it being charged by the the next administration, so long as it's uh, by a different party, right? So this was a big uh, issue when Obama became president. And they wanted to pursue uh, Dick Cheney for war crimes, or George Bush for or George war Bush, crimes. Yeah, yeah, for for lying, so supposedly lying and such like that. And then, of course, Obama decided not to pursue it. I think he correctly said, "Well, this would this would be set a bad precedent and let things are so egregious." And they didn't have the evidence, nor did they actually have any scintilla of evidence to go after Cheney or Bush. But that's another story. It would have been political. These criminal charges, and that's that, that gets very dangerous. It does, but but this in this is, case, this I know is, it's different. This I know. is an extreme case. I, I because like it. Four Americans died at Benghazi, and in the case of that in, that investigation, I like or, it. I like just two quick things. Just yeah. indulge me. This woman at the first Benghazi hearing shrieks in the harpy zone of of audible. Yeah. What hearing. difference does it make? What difference yeah. does it make? Yeah. And then we find this this email shenanigan. I mean, I Look, mean, this it, is. The point is, for the for the campaign going forward, this will be a campaign issue, and it will not only be a campaign issue, but how Hillary Clinton has all her campaign cronies with her, including James Comey, including Loretta Lynch in the Justice Department, including Obama. All these people are working together to 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 keep you out of um, uh, out of knowledge about what's really going on and to protect themselves and to live by a different standard than you and I, Mr. Joe Sixpack, live with. That's the difference. And this is what the campaign should be about and I hope will be about. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note, and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets. Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led 
to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. All right, we talked a lot about uh, Brexit. We talked a lot about uh, the meaning of the recent, um, the recent failure of the FBI to pursue the indictment of Hillary Clinton. Very interesting stuff and what it means. Uh, it's, it's very concerning. I, I find it to be a, uh, a moment in time that we will have a, a real concern about how things can possibly be the way they are, how, how they've turned the way they are. We, we've talked a little bit before about how to say that somehow it was not an intentful act, that she just was merely careless at best, that is an odd statement because it begs the question, well, can't we just go speeding down uh, the 405 freeway, for example, and uh, go 110 miles an hour, and then the cop pulls us over, of course, and we say, oh, I didn't know I was speeding. I didn't intend to do so. What does the cop do at that point? Oh, well, thanks very much, sir. Uh, have yourself a good day, right? Nothing Thank you. Nothing to see her move along. Yeah, nothing right? to see her move along. So it, it just begs the question, like, well, what do you think the statute's there for? What is the intent that you're looking for, Mr. Uh, what was his name again? Um, Comey. The, Co- Comey, yeah, from the FBI. What is the intent that you were looking for that you would have said, you know, we, we really need to pursue a criminality here? Okay, what, what would it take? Are, are you looking for intent that she's trying to destroy the country? Is, is that the idea, right? Are, are, are you trying to show that, that she was engaging in, in treason? That, that, that sort of intent? Well, I, I'm, we, none of us were arguing that. We, we're, we're not saying that at all. We are saying, however, that she was trying to avoid transparency. That's what she certainly was trying to do. And she was trying to uh, play favors for herself in the process. That's what she was doing. Anyway, I, was, very- I was thinking, uh, what does he need? Ron and Nicole's body laying in that uh, you know, foyer outside the Brentwood apartment before condo before you know finding yeah, I, a tent I, here. I, I agree. What, what kind of you know? <laughs> does she have to beat Rodney King? Uh, what? Uh, I, it has to be something like that. We're getting some nice uh, Twitter responses at this point. Uh, one from Sharon. Uh, uh, those are Facebook. Oh, Facebook b- b- yeah. postings. Okay, so Sharon, uh, she's arguing that we must be talking about Clinton, and indeed we are. <laughs> Hillary Clinton in particular. Uh, but these people are really something. They, they, they just, they're all about themselves, and the Clinton Foundation and the emails themselves, it's all about self-dealing. And the last thing that Hillary Clinton wants is to people to be able to look at her emails. How annoying they must be. How annoying. And, but here we are. Why, why would we expect anything different? All right. I, I want to move on to a different topic. And it's a topic about liberalism and conservatism, as we often talk about on this show. Oh, and let's just really quickly add for our uh, streaming uh, 
people here. The the Brockler, since this is the first time we've gone live streaming on this, uh, the Brockler podcast is released Saturday night on uh, iTunes, and there are two segments. This is the second segment. So in right. segment one of this episode, we covered the Clinton um, non um, not recommendation indictment. for yeah. indictment extensively. So be sure to check that out. iTunes.com. Uh, check out the Broccoli podcast. That's right. Uh, thank Find you for, for saying that. And, and recommend it to your friends. I think you'll like it quite a bit. All right. Uh, one of the things I noticed, I was watching a great movie. And I think it was True Grit. And this movie is an old-timey movie, but it was recently redone by the Coen brothers. And they did a nice job, actually. I'm not a big fan of the Coen brothers, generally speaking. But this was good. And there's a scene in the movie where... One of the characters is thinking and then makes the decision. And I, I realized I really like this particular scene. The, the decision part of, of, uh, of a character comes out and it's really powerful. And it, it made me realize that great stories and great movies usually involve characters making important decisions. For example, will Han Solo join the good guys? Right? Will he come back to rescue Luke and fight for the, 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 the Republic? Right. Uh, likewise, uh, we judge Darth Vader precisely because he makes a bad decision. He's, he's thought about all the information and he's decided to go to the dark side. And we judge him. And that's why we consider him one of the most evil characters. It's not because of the specific things that he does. Right. It's not as if you see him beheading a lot of people and just looking savage. It's because of his decisions that we resent him, that we consider him so evil. That, that's an important thing. And, and um, this is why the movie, by the way, is less about Luke Skywalker, because Luke Skywalker, he really doesn't do very much in the way of decision-making, does he? Here's another decision. Will Marty McFly and his father make a decision to be brave, right? Especially George McFly, will he punch Biff, right? I love that part of it. Um, even the kids' movies, especially the kids' movies, now that I think about it, The Lion King. You saw that movie? Yes. It's, it's one of my favorite movies. It's, such a, it's, it's actually a very conservative movie when you think about it. The values are extremely conservative. And the decision, of course, of, of uh, Simba, which is, will he go back to, to where he came from? Will he assume his rightful role as the king of the pride? Right? I mean, it's, and, or will he decide that... Akuna Matata, right? Nothing matters and uh, forget your worries and all that stuff. Yeah, live his life as basically an irresponsible stoner with these idiot, <laughs> right. you know, uh, lemurs and hedgehogs right. or whatever it is. But it involved a decision. And that kind of crazy, goofy monkey or baboon, right? Uh, kind of helping him along to make the decision and kind of reasoning with him. And it's a, it's a very nice uh, story. And it's, it plays a lot on, on the Hamlet story, of course. But nevertheless... Uh, there's a story uh, completely about decision-making. Uh, same thing with uh, so many other great kids' movies that we can talk about. It isn't but, it interesting that mm -hmm. you said it's a conservative movie. Isn't it interesting that no matter how liberal Hollywood is, in order to make a good movie, yeah. they have to make a conservative movie. To, to make a profitable movie. That's the Right, that's or the good or whatever. Yeah. And it, you know it goes completely against their morals, but they have to because otherwise they wouldn't be in the movie business right. very long. That's right. Now, there, there are exceptions, of course, um, and, but they have to be, they, they truly are exceptions. Nothing is 100%. One exception I can think of right now is Avatar. Okay, now here's a movie that I consider a very liberal movie, or Dances with Wolves, same thing. Yeah, but those weren't good movies. That, they might have made money, <laughs> they made but they're money. not good. They're just right. long. <laughs> right. You know? 
but but you don't you don't want to see Avatar again. That's why. Have I you mean, noticed that? Yeah. Dances. If if you and I were at my house and you know oh here and we have a whole bunch of DVDs and maybe ten DVDs. You know what? And, and you've seen Back to the Future millions of times, Star Wars millions of times, Star Trek millions of times, and so on. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there you see Dances with Wolves, which you remember, maybe you liked it, maybe it was beautiful cinematography. Hey, you want to see that, Ari? No. Nah. I think so I'd much. rather, um, you know, um, light my tongue on fire with some hot <laughs> coals or something. Uh, you know, and I'd fun. rather pull out my toenails. With, so, <laughs> can I borrow your needle nose pliers so I can do that? <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got uh, quite a few uh, comments here. Uh, Stephen uh, says that our mic looks like R2-D2. <laughs> I think it's a good point. And there, there you go, emphasizing the point of uh, R2-D2. And uh, Christopher Floyd says that, uh, that he never saw Avatar the very first time. You're a good man, Christopher. Don't see it. It's a waste. In fact, if you saw the movie Dances with Wolves... You've already seen Avatar as well. It's exactly the same movie. Uh, you know, I, I would like to take a slightly different tack on Avatar. It's more like watching the Palestinian Liberation Organization engage in terrorists. Right. As if the Palestinians led by Yasser Arafat were 18-foot-tall blue people. Yes, but yes. It's just, they're <laughs> okay. just blue Palestinians. All right. So, look. Uh, now, I, I wanted to go into the liberal movies, a part of it, and, and why they fail and why they're so uh, un- unappealing in many ways. Um, liberal movies are often about nothing, just nothing. Uh, even the movies that are not supposed to be political end up being about nothing if it is a liberal that's actually advancing or directing it. Uh, and if there's no conservative theme to it, forget about it. You're not going to want to see it again unless there's true action in it. Um, they become so watered down. Here are some examples. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Okay, uh, This is a movie that is truly about nothing. Uh, what is the message, please? If you're, if you're on Facebook, please tell me what that message is. Because to me, the message is, evil happens, deal with it. That's about it. Okay, that's, that's, that's not a good message. And it's certainly not a conservative message, right? Here's another example. Um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. And, and I liked that movie. I did. Uh, but I liked it for the action, especially the D-Day action part of it. Um, and the struggles of dealing with one, one, uh, you know, one platoon that's out there to rescue Ryan. I liked it because it's about our individuality, the, the American sense of leaving no man behind. There's something very gracious about that. But they, they squandered that opportunity. They really squandered it, especially because the one line that you remember from that movie is when the Tom Hanks character says, every time I kill somebody, I feel further and further away from home, Right? What the frig is that about? That has nothing to do with anything, right? I, oh, what, what are you trying to tell me? Also, but wait, wait, wait. Uh, does, that, does that mean we should, should, we should never fight evil? Because I'll tell you something. Fighting evil means probably killing a lot of bad guys. And I don't mind that at all. I'd like to kill a lot of evil guys, okay? And the fact that they may have uh, families of their own, that's their problem, okay? I'm trying to... Uh, maintain a civilization here. Thank you very much. Indiana Jones seemed to have savored every Nazi he killed. Oh, yeah, exactly right. There was no problem there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually a very good example. But let, let me talk more about the liberal stuff, and then, we'll, then I want to explore the, the more conservative values. Um, it should have, saving Private Ryan should have been about getting the bad guys, how we are different than our enemies, because we 
seek to save one soldier, whereas they would not. Okay. They, they squander that opportunity. Here's some other classic movies from the 70s that were about nothing. Ready? Taxi Driver. Okay? You never want to see that movie again. Uh, the Conversation. <laughs> Very good acting, but you'll never see it again. Lenny Bruce and just about every movie that Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Sean Penn ever financed. Okay? You, guaranteed you don't want to see that movie. By contrast, movies that have conservative themes, such as Fighting Evil, right? The Struggle uh, and Wonders of Marriage, uh, Standing Up for Yourself, and even that question, uh, Abortion, uh, those tend to do very well, or at least critically very well, and always surprise the producer of the movie. So here are some good you examples. You mean with money? With money, yeah. yeah. Pro- profitability and, and exposure-wise. Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, is a great, great example of that. Now, they knew that that was going to be a blockbuster because it was a lot of fun. But the fun part of it was this notion of this rugged individualism. I mean, talk about rugged individualism, right? There's Harrison Ford. He is that rugged individual. He will go his own way. I mean, it's, it's sexy for the ladies, and, and men just want to be this guy, right? And it's about getting bad guys through and through. And as you said, every time he, he killed a, a, a Nazi, he didn't do some sort of vigil for them and wondered about their families. No, he killed them. They were, they were in the way. Got to kill them. Thank you very much. And took joy in it. I think so. Yeah. I think so, quite a bit. And he, and he says, I really hate these guys, right? That was <laughs> yeah. a wonderful scene. Um, and then, of course, Star Wars. We talked about that already. It, it's that the notion that it's the Republic fighting against an evil empire and we want freedom and it's about the force, which, of course, is about God. Uh, these are very conservative values. There is no try. There is only do, right? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's the strength that, of the individual that really kind of bubbles up from all the Star Wars movies. Yeah, and there's two points in that real quick that are interesting. Yeah. The, there is no try. There is only do. That's a conservative value. Only results matter. It doesn't right. matter how you feel. It, it, and, and, and then the best is, of course, the, the idea of redemption. Yeah. The truth is Darth Vader is redeemable. Yeah. He is if he would just choose redemption. Yeah. But yeah, he fails right. and fails and fails until the very end because only at the very end does he finally choose redemption. Luke doesn't need redemption. He's a pure soul. Yeah. Redemption is only needed by those of us who deviate That's from God's right. way. That's but right. God always welcomes us back into his arms. Yeah, look, uh, uh, every story is about a, a choice. I mean, a great choice. I mean, from King David, right? If you have children, and you'll remember yourself, when you were a, a child, one of your favorite stories was the King David story, is particularly against Goliath, right? And think about all the choices that are involved there, right? The, the Israelite army uh, deciding not to fight Goliath because he's just too damn big, right? And, and little David, little at the time at least, thinking to himself, I can do this. Uh, you know, being a little bit scared, but maybe cautious, but he knows that God is with him. God is, is deciding to, to fight with him, and, he, and he's, he's resolute. And that's that resolution that we love so much about that story and how it is the small guy against the big guy. And it's not just that, by the way. It's also the fact that David found a weakness in Goliath. And, and just because you're a big person doesn't mean that, you're, that you are... Impenetrable. Uh, so that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. Uh, I love those decision movies. Those, those, those are wonderful. Uh, and the King David story. I wish they would make a very good and accurate movie about the King David story. They haven't yet. They've made these 
bizarre liberal type movies that suggest that he was gay, uh, that de-emphasized the Goliath aspect of it. Uh, very strange. Wow. So, so if we pitch the transgender <laughs> King David, that you think we can get that greenlit right now? <laughs> I don't I, it's know. hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's another good example no. <laughs> of a conservative movie that uh, that I liked. I loved it very much. But it it was a conservative value, and that was my big fat Greek wedding. Do you know how much it cost to make that movie? Do you have uh, an idea? I have a shoestring right here, so <laughs> it I was don't about think a shoestring. much more than that. My big fat Greek wedding was uh, it was about five thousand dollars to make that movie. Okay, that's I, I, that's the cost of the camera probably. That was about it. All right, they didn't pay anybody, <laughs> scale or otherwise. <laughs> and this movie made a billion dollars, more than that over time, of course. With the overseas market and everything else, it's it's a billion dollars. So the producers are scratching their heads. I mean, they're wondering they, they were going to make this cute movie and they released it and and it caught on like wildfire, and and it was because it has some very basic conservative values. A woman who wanted to be married, a man who who wanted to be a father and wanted to have a family, the bringing together of two different cultures that were a little zany with each other, trying to get to understand each other. But the marriage part of it was what was so crazy. She wanted to, to, to make herself up. She was nervous. Uh, but the, the goal was to get married and to have a family. That's what made it a, a simple, conservative value movie. There were no nuances. There was no like gay extras or anything else like this. It wasn't about gay marriage or you know, the, 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 the right of everyone to be tolerant with everybody else. Nothing like that. It was a strong, conservative movie. And I think that's why it succeeded. Uh, and my favorite conservative movie, favorite, uh, well, I should say Lion King, because that was a, such a brilliantly artistic movie, and that is a really conservative movie. One of, the, one of, one of which, uh, one of the points I'll make about that is when, do you remember the, the scene where Scar takes over, right, after the death of uh, Mufasa, the, the, the good king? And he says, I, out of the ashes of this tragedy will come a new day in which lion and hyena live together side by side, right? Do you remember that? <clears throat> and, and, and it's clear, that's not a good idea. That's the message of the movie. Don't mix lions and hyenas. This will be a bad result, right? You need to separate lions and hyenas for whatever reason. The notion of good and evil being separated, the hyenas being the, hyenas being the evil ones. And that's what we need to do in conservatism, right? We, one of our biggest separations is the separation between good and evil. They don't get this. Those are our friends on the far left. They, they don't understand that. They think that, uh, you know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter and so on, right? It's uh, all religions and all cultures are the same, right? And you, you try to argue with them and you say, well, let me get this straight. <clears throat> so you're saying the culture in Somali is as good as our culture? Uh, I'll grant you, we can both agree that they're different, but you're saying they're, they're as good as us? And you're saying that, that, that uh, the, the culture in fascist Germany was okay compared to what America was all about, or for that matter, Western Europe? Or a more uh, contemporary one. The culture of uh, modern-day Syria yeah. is worth assimilating into America. Well, yeah, or, or Europe, for that Fighting matter. It, or, but that's yeah. the reason why they could do that, why somebody like Angela Merkel could say, hey, you know, let's bring in a million 
uh, Syrian uh, refugees or migrants as they are, and uh, no one will care. Yeah, we're still it, looking. We're yeah, still looking the for the migrant part of them. You know, the hungry old right, women right, and course. children, not the fighting age men who are all look like they've been to the gym right. five days a week. But you can only believe this garbage if you if you have the sense that all cultures are the same, because no one is saying, well, might there be consequences to this? Violent consequences of that, right? I mean. They, you know, cultures are uh, that didn't even know what rape was uh, practically, or murder, or theft. These these are countries that were just suddenly overwhelmed by these Syrian refugees, who suddenly increased the percentage of rapes in their towns, in their small towns, by a thousand percent. Suddenly, they had rape rooms, and they they would just grab people off the street. and And, and in Rotherham, England, there was fourteen hundred girls that were being. Uh, molested and, and raped repeatedly. Yeah, the grooming scandal. The, the grooming scandal. Yeah. Well, it's, it, the grooming is it's not, it's not a fair description because it doesn't uh, reveal the true horror that was going on. Uh, I use and, that and word because that's what they called it to cover it up, obviously. Whatever. I mean, but the point like is the that, that the, but the police look the other way. I, that the whole point of it was let's pretend, let's have this artifice where we believe that, uh, that the Syrians or, for that matter, this other culture is exactly the same as ours. And it's just not. It's just not. You don't. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with me about this. But don't tell me that it's that where they view women as as pieces of meat that can be uh, manipulated in any way they wanted to. Because well, frankly, they're women, and not only that, but they they're not Muslim women. Well, I I, I don't value that that way of thinking. I think that's a horrific way. Now you can say that was. These are examples of uh, very extreme examples, and it's not representative of the of the group at large. Well, sadly, it's it's too big a plurality of minority to ignore. Okay, it's, it's it's a bad problem. It's not the same thing that you you saw when, let's say, the Italians came over to America, when the Irish came, the Jews, the the Polish, you name it, whatever group, or, or the, for that matter, the present day the Koreans or the present day Chinese or Japanese. Uh, a, a lot of them are coming in, but you you don't see this this incredible rise in violent crime, especially rape. Anyway, and somebody will somebody will text in. Yeah, here we go. Somebody's already saying, "Are you saying, yeah, are you saying that all all of them are are rapists and thugs and murderers and such like that?" As if that's what I said, right? Did you hear me say that? No, uh, but I'm saying the ones who are rapists are rapists. Yeah, clearly. exactly right. And, and you know, clearly we have a vetting process for a reason, right? It, if you really believed, I mean, you must believe on some level that we need an immigration policy to some extent, right? As open as you may be, you clearly cannot be possibly saying open up the door borders and whoever wants to come in comes in and that's that, right? Intuitively, you know that that's wrong. Well, that means that you are exercising some level of discretion, aren't you? And all I'm saying is, might we ought to have looked at the, uh, some sort of vetting process before allowing a million Syrian refugees slash migrants into Europe? And now, I don't know how many that they propose to bring into America. Oh, a lot. You know, 3,000 in New Orleans, 600 in, in uh, Glendale. You know, and the, the point is the, the vetting process, the, the, the border issue, if you will, exists for the problems you encounter. Yeah. So if you bring people in and you start getting mass rapes, mass crimes from this demographic of people, yeah. 
logic dictates, not racism, not preferential right. treatment, logic, right. that perhaps there is an issue with people from that demographic and geographical region who need to be vetted more stringently or yeah. the, the flow of their, their travels needs to be cut off. All right, so we're going a little bit far afield from our theme, which is about uh, movies that have conservative themes. Right, but uh, the, the final but point in this to drill down is it, it further is compatible with your point that the, the Lion King movie makes that not all people, not all cultures, not all animals are the same and can coexist. You can't have lions and antelope in the same cage at the zoo and expect the lions not to get well fed. <laughs> That's right. Well, this is what I always say when I go to the wild animal park in uh, San Diego, right? It's a safari, and uh, I noticed something shocking. That's right, shocking. Did you know? I, you know what? You're going to be very upset when I say this. Did you know that they built a fence, nay, a wall, <laughs> between? There was an apartheid going on, my friends, between the, the lions on the one hand and uh, gazelles and other uh, herbivores on the other hand. I, what's going on here? This is outrageous. I, I complain to the zookeeper. You mean they're segregating them by dietary choice? We don't segregate <laughs> vegans like you from meat eaters like me here in the real world. Because I'm worried that you, cause you might eat me. Well, you don't have enough meat on you because you're right. vegan. I see. Uh, <laughs> this insult has been brought to you by Ari David. All right, so, but don't you know, don't worry, Ari. I complained to the zookeeper. I said, what is going on? Tear right down there? that wall. <laughs> Mr. Zookeeper, tear down that wall. <laughs> anyway, so you, you get the idea. I, I just, I find it shocking that uh, people can understand that at a basic level and yet not apply that to, to bad guys, to, to the notion of evil uh, in our world. It, the only way you can possibly uh, believe that it's okay to do all this is to believe specifically that there is no such thing as evil in the world. If you don't believe that, then, then that explains everything that you see. Everything. I, I find that shocking. Anyway... Um, Look, uh, the final example I want to give is Back to the Future, which is, to, to me, one of the most beautiful, fun movies uh, that advances a conservative value. And what is that value? Ready? You are in control of your own destiny. Okay? Nothing is fixed. Okay? You can control your life, you, you, the direction of your life. And, and no better example of that when George McFly decides to take a stand against Biff, right, and changes the entire trajectory of his life. Now, now why they end up in the same house <laughs> where, he, where he was living before, that's a mystery. In the right? same town somewhere in the, same in the town. San Joaquin Valley right. rather than beachfront real estate. <laughs> uh. that's, we'll let that go. <laughs> that's artistic license, I guess. But uh, in terms of the, you know, his wife and, and all that stuff, that's, that's really quite nice. I, I, I do love that movie because, and it's, so, it's such a wonderful movie because people love it for the very core conservative value of what I just said. Uh, and and I, I just don't get it when producers and directors in Hollywood don't ask themselves what works. I mean, they're supposedly supposed to be all about money, right? They're supposed to be a, a business. And you would think they would turn to these movies that I just mentioned, and, and there's so many others that I can mention, and say, this succeeded, why? Okay? That failed, why? Right? And yet they keep on doing these, these really insane movies that, that may be even majestic in some cases, but they're really about nothing. Nothing. And here's my point. Liberalism itself is about nothing. Okay? Just like atheism is about nothing. 
And if, if it were about something, we might actually have an interesting movie, but it's not. Conservatism, every great movie that you see, any movie that moves you, I guarantee you, it's because there's a conservative theme to it. How about that? Okay, whether that's Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, Star Wars, you name it. Okay? And I, and I love studying the movies because it's, it's a movie about us. You said it very well a long time ago, Ari. One, we went through a whole litany of the distinctions between humans on the one hand and animals on the other, right? And I started this with my kids when, I, when they were much younger, and I asked them to give me differences between the, the humans and the animals. And beyond, and even a lot of the people listening right now, uh, and I'll ask them to tweet some, some differences if they want, or Facebook, start Facebook, posts, some, in this case, Facebook yeah. posts some some differences that they want. They'll come up with, you know, the basics, which is that we, we walk upright, most animals don't. We don't they have a tail, we don't. Um, we have uh, a sophisticated speech and uh, language, they don't. We wear clothes, they don't. Those are basically the, the four or five that, that most people will bring up, okay? And those are five of maybe uh, 500 that I could bring up, okay? And I would love to hear, by the way, from Facebook posting, uh, which, which other differences you think are out there, because there's a lot. But one of them, and you brought them up, and, I, and it was, there's so many of them, I, I, I can't capture them all, but you brought up one that is a very clear one, and that is that we love stories. Animals, you try telling an animal a story, right? Even if he could understand it, even if he could understand English, he, he still wouldn't be interested. Stories are not relevant to an animal, right? <laughs> right? Fido, come over here. Come on. Uh, you look very bored. Yes. Yeah, I want to talk to you about this. We can have, that, we can have one of the conversations again. <laughs> That's right. We're going to have a campfire here. You can do some marshmallows. You can ask questions later on. <laughs> but it's, the stories are very different for, for us. For, not only is that a distinction, but it's a huge distinction, right? And you can't wait to see a movie. It's a, we call it an escape sometimes, right? But it's not an escape for a dog, seeing a bunch of people move around on a screen. Dog means, doesn't need an escape. They don't need a story. It's not relevant to them. The reason why stories are relevant to us is because it, it brings examples of other humans and decisions that they've made. That's yeah. why. And it also brings up one of the great differences between humans and animals. Animals, by instinct, always do the right thing. Yeah. By that, there are no moral failings. They never have to seek redemption or fail to seek redemption yeah. against their better or worse nature. That's they right. never need the courage of, of pursuing the girl or the, the food because yeah. they're animals. They you, just do it. You are they're so like, right. They like play for Nike. They just do it. <laughs> it's very true. Um, I, I love uh, that distinction that you brought up. It's, it's so powerful. And yet, so, so here we have a distinction, right? The story distinction that we talked about. On the one hand, and and the fact that it's so obvious that we, we must learn from the actions of other people, and how do we how we can become a greater human being, true grit being a good example of that, right? It, the, the title tells it all. What is grit and what is true grit? And these men who went and to, to support this woman, basically for a payday, to help her find this this uh, criminal who killed her father. They, it brings out the best in them. And then instead of, it, it no longer becomes about the money. It becomes about protecting the girl. 
and saving them, and, and in turn, they redeem themselves. That's a wonderful thing, and it's like we should all be like those men. And, but in liberal movies, there's no story. It's all about nothingness. It's all about nihilism. And so, not surprisingly, the movies that are liberal in nature, that don't have a conservative value, we don't resonate to them. Maybe we watch them once, and, and the, the cinematography, like I said, is beautiful. I think No Country for Old Men had beautiful cinematography. But at some point, we'll never see it again. I, I don't want to see that movie again. I don't want to see Taxi Driver again. I don't want to see a lot of those movies we were described again. They're, they're just, they mean nothing. They're about nothing. Why would, I want, why would I want to see a movie about nothing? By contrast, a conservative movie like Back to the Future, The Lion King, we see it over and over and over again, not unlike our want to tell the story of King David over and over again. Why? Because it resonates, because it means something to us, and because we can learn for something, and we want to grow. All right, I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for tuning in today on Facebook as well, and we'll talk with you next week.